Welcome to Points of Who number two. In today's episode, we'll be catching up with bits and pieces from the worlds of Doctor Who. In particular, the Series 6 DVD release and the movie rumours. First up, David Yates stirred up controversy with his suggestions that he would he was planning to make a Doctor Who movie starting from scratch. I got chatting with Sarah Burrow about the possibility of a Doctor Who movie while we were discussing Harry Potter uh, for an upcoming podcast. Here's what we had to say. Let's also just briefly touch on the movie rumours, which has a Harry Potter connection in that David Yates, Mm. who directed uh, the Uh, more recent ones. Yes, I think he definitely did both both of seven, Mm -hmm. didn't he? Did he then do five and not six, I think? Something like that. Something like that, I think, yes. But anyway, but yes, um, obviously I'm quite a fan of him, but that's more to do with I'm a fan of Harry Potter. But um, I yeah. hadn't actually heard these rumours. You, you had whereabouts well, have they been floating? In Variety, uh, in a magazine interview, he said that he has been in talks with um, BBC Worldwide with Jane Tranter about doing um, Doctor Who as a movie, but that he'd want to bring his own approach to it, different from Stephen Moffat and Russell T Davies, starting from scratch, which oh. has got the fans rather mm. apprehensive, should we say. Uh, so, um, I wonder, I, has, has David Yates professed to be a fan? Is this... I, I don't know. He, I, I'm not sure because, and again, this is one of the areas of concern is does he have the yeah. love and sympathy for the source material to do a decent film of it? Yes, otherwise it could go down very, very badly, couldn't it? Yes. Uh, and also, um, uh, Stephen Moffat made a comment on Twitter to the effect of, uh, I've decided to uh, go to the moon. Uh, no funding, no support from uh, NASA, um, no plan, uh, starting from scratch. Oh, I see. I saw that tweet, but obviously had no idea and, what it was related uh, to. Which seems to imply that David Yates hasn't been talking to the Doctor Who yes. production team in Cardiff. Mm. So, and also that it's it is at a very early stage. Yeah. There's nothing in place yet. So it's probably just a, let's put the idea out there and see if anyone opens their checkbook. Yeah, uh, well, that would be the, the big part, wouldn't type it? Type thing. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see if anything happens. I think, I, I do really like the idea of a Doctor Who movie, uh, and I don't have an objection to the director putting their own stamp on it. Um, no, but I think it, he's treading a, a dangerous path if he decides to somewhat ignore what's gone yeah. before. I think uh, he'd be in very dangerous territory yes. then. Um, but 
It'd be interesting to see what he did with it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'd find things we liked and disliked about it. And I'm <laughs> it would sure give us plenty to talk about. We'd probably talk about it quite a lot. We're already talking about it for quite a while and it's not even necessarily happening. So yeah. uh, I'm sure, however Who much... reality to talk about exactly. when you've got speculation and <laughs> rumour and tittle-tattle. That's essentially what keeps this podcast going, isn't it? <laughs> is us lot talking about things. So, um, yeah, even if we didn't like, if he does it entirely on his own, I imagine we'll still go and see it if yes. nothing else just to complain about it see also Torchwood yes exactly the only reason why I continued watching that series <laughs> which was good for children of Earth and suckered us in <laughs> yes unfortunately I still yet to see Children of Earth which is I think appears to be my downfall because the mm. rest of it's been rubbish and apparently Children of Earth is brilliant but uh, anyway basically so Tangent. yes that's the Doctor Who movie rumours uh, and also, James and Swithin got together to give us a few few thoughts on what they thought of the rumours of a movie of Doctor Who. Uh, and this is what they had to share. So, yeah, um, my first thoughts is, hmm, it could be good, it could be bad. Um, mainly, I think one of the main things about it would be, are they going to try and do it as a continuation of the um, present series? Is it going to be like a standalone thing? Or even possibly a reboot. What do you reckon, Which do you think is more likely? And secondly, which one do you think would be better? I think that they've the, the way they've spoken about it. it I mean, Stephen Moffat said that it's going to be a continuation of, or at least feed on from the stuff that's going on in New Who now. Um, I gotta say, my first my first reaction is a big, big no. I can't even really summon righteous indignation or anger about it. It's just, it's a stupid, stupid idea. Like, it, I mean, it's, we, we were talking earlier about, um, white Akira, the fact that Akira, you know, a, a quintessentially Japanese thing that, that really can't be understood without a, a, a basic grasp on, um, Japanese history, Japanese politics and the contextual Situation in Japan in the 1980s is being adapted to um, a, a single American film in 2011. It, it's it's absolutely ridiculous, and and I think that Doctor Who is one of those things that is very very difficult to separate from its quintessential Englishness. Um, I, I think that as much as I enjoyed David Yates's Harry Potter films. Um, Aside from really having a lot of English actors in them, they they aren't you know quintessentially English. Um, I just I just think it's a stupid idea. I d- like I don't see a reason for it. Like why it's necessary beyond they think it's a good chance to make money. And I think we've seen so much of the BBC diluting its brands recently with its its shift to BBC America, um, particularly with Torchwood, which Ooh. was it's um, you know the the combination of BBC America and stars working together. It's been an unmitigated disaster, and frankly, it's just been an absolute train wreck. And I can't see the film being anything other than that. I can't see it, you know, honouring the original material, like the original 60s plus material. I can't see it honouring New Who, because it's either going to have to be a tie-in adventure to what's going on now, in which case it has, you know, Matt Smith, Karen Gillan, Stephen Moffat writing, 
or it's got to be something completely standalone, in which case, you know, what's the point of having it at all? If it's a reboot or a, a, a kind of a different universal dimension or um, a different take on the Doctor, again, it, it's it's there's no point to it. Um, it. I mean, it's not like we haven't got Doctor Who already at the moment. It's not like we're not getting new Doctor Who stories. If this were, you know, ten years ago and... There was no new Doctor Who in sight, and someone had said, we want to make a movie. You mean like the TV movie? Exactly, like the TV movies, then, you know, fair enough, try it. Um, I mean, I just think it, I think it's really stupid. I think we've got rebootitis at the moment. I mean, you can see it with the Spider-Man movies, mm. the fact that they're rebooting less than half a decade after the last... Um, what was a... a critical failure but a successful financially hmm. um, movie and, and you're rebooting it there's there's just really really no need for it so it's a definite no from I, me I think as a continuation it'll be lame there's, there's no real point to a continuation because then the expectation is for the TV series, you'd have to watch the film, mm. which doesn't seem to work. Second, um, standalone material, if it's standalone, it'll probably be very generic. They're hard, they're not going to be, uh, more original in a film version because of the money that's going in, they'll be as conservative as possible. Not to alienate people who will otherwise see it. Mm. Um, as a reboot, I think that's got the most potential. But again, that comes into the same problem as watching it as a film and the um, and seeing it on on TV as well. David H. Harry Potter films, I wasn't a huge fan of, um, but that might be to do with the source material. But um, I, I haven't read them all properly. What would you like to see if it? So they they make this movie, mm. you can have a hand in planning it. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see from this movie and what do you absolutely not want to see? What I want to see is... I want to see a kind of... an ideas-focused family science fiction film which isn't all about things exploding. It actually has some content to it. Now, 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 things exploding are all well and fine, but it's not just things exploding. You don't want an, another transform. No, no. I, I, I want something that's interesting, or, or, or something that actually challenges its audience and works on multiple levels in a science fiction context. And I think if you do something like that, then, you know, I'd be more supportive. But I think that would probably work better as a standalone, different film entirely, most probably. Um... If they did do a film, I just want it to be just not standard kind of run around who. If I wanted to, I'd, I'd, I'd just be stupid. I'd say, David Lynch, come out of retirement, direct it. And the thing is, that's not as stupid as it sounds. He did do Dune, and he was going to do Return of the Jedi. But Dune was rubbish. Yes, it was. Have From you read Dune? I haven't read it, but I haven't... It's very dry. Hey! <laughs> 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 I, I believe it is. It is. It is very much dry. But he, he, he has got some parody for that. But just, I just want something that isn't just a glorified run around. Yeah. And actually, get, get, get a bit more, more political stuff in. I mean, 
So about more like kind of the Battlestar Galactica route. Yeah, to some extent, not not as kind of self-consciously serious in that sense. Yeah, but more of an ideas focus, more characters. You know, about the people who were there. I mean, it's proved to work. I mean, how how, how can I mean, it's a bad, maybe a bad one, but like the Pixar films, for a lot of them, they're not gimmicky things explode. They've actually got, granted, they're like, say, Toy Story, they are toys, but they've actually got characters, stuff happens, you know, actually got a point to it. Now, I, I like that kind of to translate to a science fiction context, if, you, if, you, if the, the analogy works, I hope. Do you, do you see what I'm kind, yeah. of, kind of going for, but in the science fiction context? Yeah, no, I do see what you mean. I mean, I think um, you you won't agree with me on this because you didn't like the example I'm about to give. But X Men Origins, um, I, I think that that could be a way to go. Do kind of uh, 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 the thing I'm thinking of is um, there was a long talked about and never ever produced Starfleet Academy um, right. movie that would relaunch Star Trek. Um, and it, it kind of gestated and turned into the the um, Orchie and Kurtzman, J.J. Um, Abrams Star Trek that, that was released a few years ago. But a kind of, you know, young, young, um, like, kind of actors playing uh, Kirk and, mm. and Spock and stuff at Starfleet Academy. And I would love to see, like, kind of Gallifrey Academy or something, where you have, like, kind of a young doctor... <laughs> Like kind of a young James Bond star thing, where you've got the Doctor and the Master before they become enemies, like teaming up in in the the Magneto Xavier roles. You're you're pulling a face with it. I, it's, it's, <laughs> again, it annoys me with the, the, the Who thing. It, it's focusing then on the character of the Doctor primarily, rather than. I mean, in a way, the Doctor ought to be like Tintin. That he reflects so, so, the setting and yeah. the storyline. Not like, entirely, be... but but the the most important thing is is, is him, the adventurer. I think. Now, obviously, yeah. I'd, I'd probably like more fleshed out than Tintin, but that general point that he is an explorer, he goes out, and this is the things that are around him. Now, I obviously like more characterisation than Tintin, as you said, but that more general feel and going away from what we've kind of gone at the moment. What about if it was something like Untold Adventures of one of the previous Doctors? Like, you recast someone as Tom Baker's Doctor or something. I suppose you could do... I mean, that's... Well, I mean, to be fair, they've done some of that stuff in the audios. I mean, obviously, yeah. original actors and things. And they have done the Doctor Who and Bounds, which are a varying quality, but some are very good. They basically have a standalone Doctor Who story with a, just a random actor like mm. uh, David Warner. They've got to do it, and for some of them. And... Um, motion capture Doctor Who so that you could go back to some of those <laughs> well not sold the mocap I mean what about remaking one of the old storylines like some one of the one of the great original well if you're going to remake stories. anything you should remake Trial of Time though because it was terrible but had a brilliant concept but they wouldn't do that okay but what about something that was that was good that they could update hmm that's to think about that, but I think that that'd be an interesting topic for a general thing Doctor Who wants to to update. What was the the one with? Um, it was in a, a power station, a nuclear power plant, and they had a evil hand. The hand of fear. The hand of fear was that it with Sarah Jane and yeah, yeah I, like I think that was really that was really quite good. good. Um, and structurally, it's interesting as well because it pretty much ends at episode three, and then you have like a code as episode mm. four. 
which works quite well. I mean, it's interesting structurally in comparison with everything around it. But uh, I, th- I think, in general, we're thinking that this is probably not going to be a good idea. No, I, well, I think the fact that we're trying to we're grasping for straws in terms of we're thinking what we would like in general. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. So we d- we did come up, um, and we were speaking about this with um, with PG Bell. Um, we came up with the idea of using some of the spin-off characters, so the Victorian era um, kind of Doctor Who romp, where you have the, the lesbian Silurian, where you have um, Jackson What's-His-Face the, from the the next Doctor or whatever it's called, yeah. um, the the one who thought he was the Doctor and had his uh, TARDIS hot air mm-hmm. balloon. Um, possibly uh, Eve Miles' character from the the Gelf episode come back a, as a psychic ghost. Basically, just everyone who's appeared in any of the Victorian, especially the episodes. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but, but with, with Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that would work. I suppose that's got more attitude because I think it'd be its own show and it can be launched from a film, and the film could essentially be a pilot, really, as a, as a film. And then if it's successful, base a series on thereafter. I mean, that. I don't know if I'd necessarily be the biggest fan of that, but I mean, as a general concept, I think that would have more legs. Mm. And I think what I find really irritating is that if they really, really want to make a Hooniverse um, film, why not just reboot Torchwood? <laughs> uh, you know, a, a programme that has so much potential and has just been driven into the ground. Like, just, if, just start it again and do it right this time. Just just think about it and go, look, all we have to do is make the X-Files in Cardiff with a bunch of, you know, screw-ups who just want to have sex rather than, you know, fight aliens. Um, and, and come up with something around that. Like, it, it's hardly rocket science. Um, I, I think that that would be brilliant, and I'd definitely go and see that film. <laughs> yeah. Have the pterodactyl come back and... Yeah, no, Cyberwoman. No, uh, yeah, Cyberwoman and the Pterodactyl team up together, and they get sent back in time, and they join up with our Victorian era. Um, well, no, 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 but like, kind of, okay, I, I, things I can, I can actually see, I can see Victorian that, era Torchwood have those characters from uh, Victorian Doctor Who mm. crossover. Have Jack. Have you know a couple of other real life characters, mm. um, as in non-fictional people. As, as they're otherwise sometimes known, real-life characters, like you, Swithin, you're a real-life <laughs> character, um, have them all teaming up to fight aliens in, you know, Victorian Vienna or something. We get a bit of Wagner in there as well, then. Oh, exactly, yeah. That could be quite entertaining. Or, like, kind of, I, I don't know, I just think that there's so much potential across all of space and time that... Yeah, I, I, I think you're pretty much right. It's good if it's going to be made, it'd be bad. Yeah. So we're against you, it. Production really team, like... Uh, Listen to us. We know yeah, what we're doing. Yeah. We've done this mil- for millions of times before. Exactly. We're a, we're a quasi-successful podcasting team with literally... Money to burn. Uh, well, I, I was going to go with listeners, but... Oh, listen, listeners to burn. But literally <laughs> listeners to burn. Um, we're happy to do it. We'll, we'll set them on fire ourselves. We'll provide their own petrol. You can film them running around the casualties. Um, it'll be absolutely brilliant. Make the Daleks good. That's what I'd like to see. A, a good Dalek film. Oh, that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. 
good Cybermen film. Yeah. Just, just the, good the, anything. The, the side just, just make it Cybermen good. Bit. Yeah, I think. Yeah, if you're gonna do it, do it good, but you won't. So don't. Yeah, just give up now. Go home. Let go. And now for my thoughts on the Series 6 DVD release. So you've been watching these um, short... Yes, I've been watching the Night and the Doctor mini-episodes, written by Stephen Moffat, uh, which are set in between stories, perhaps, and involve what the Doctor gets up to at night, um, going off and having adventures while his companions are asleep because he doesn't need to sleep and so they're quite fun and also quite touching and uh yes um, they allow for some more character beats because obviously they haven't spent loads of money on them it's basically them running around the TARDIS set um but it does mean that you get some nice uh yeah quite emotional quite touching um, uh, beats and yeah, really nice. Mm. Um, well worth a watch. So, uh, you can get those on the Series 6 DVD and Blu ray. Okay, so here's my review of Series 6 as a whole and a few thoughts on the DVD release. Well, this year with Matt Smith, Karen Gillan and Arthur Darville firmly established as the TARDIS crew and with the show's new look and direction in place, Moffat had the opportunity to uh, definitively bring us uh, his version of the show and he certainly shook it up a lot with a new split series format a denser than ever before story arc and greater than ever narrative gymnastics he certainly put his stamp on it But how does it measure up both episode by episode and as a whole? Well, with the impossible astronaut and day of the moon, uh, the series kicked off in style by going to America. And it also, (laughs) in the very first 10 minutes, uh, apparently killed off the doctor. So it can't be faulted for sheer gutsiness. The US setting looked great and the silence were wonderfully creepy as monsters. The regeneration of the young girl was a brilliant cliffhanger, and even though, as I will come to, I don't feel the story arc as a whole uh, didn't quite deliver on its promise, it's one of the strongest opening stories uh, to grace Doctor Who since it returned. There were a few uh, plot holes I'd have liked to have seen uh, plugged, or not so much plot holes necessarily as just jumping over things, such as... uh, the resolution to the cliffhanger and the shooting of the little girl. But that aside, a very strong start. The next story, written by Sherlock scribe Stephen Thompson, The Curse of the Black Spot, was rather more mundane. There are some nice touches, such as the way in which the Doctor gradually works out what's going on, rather than knowing it all at once. But the pirates aren't scary as murderous killers, nor entertainingly out there in a Captain Jack-type way, either the Johnny Depp or the John Barrowman uh, version. This is one pirate story that's all buckle and no swash. In another league altogether was The Doctor's Wife by Neil Gaiman, one of the standout episodes of the series. 
putting the TARDIS into a human form is one of those ideas that's so obvious in retrospect, you wonder why it hasn't been done in the TV series before. Gaiman deftly adds to the mythology, and Saran Jones perfectly captured the quirkiness and the tragedy of the TARDIS made flesh for a single adventure. The Rebel Flesh and Almost People, carrying on the theme of flesh, is a solid base under siege adventure, with the monastery setting giving it that extra visual zing. It doesn't make as much of the ethical challenges as it could, ultimately throwing away the philosophical themes in favour of a much more straightforward monster story. But the final twist, where Amy is revealed as a flesh duplicate and wakes up about to give birth, is one of the all-time great Doctor Who cliffhangers, probably the best in the new series since the Doctor's almost regeneration at the end of The Stolen Earth. We then have A Good Man Goes to War, a strong mid-series finale, which has a great set of supporting characters, from Lorna Bucket and the gay Anglican Marines, there's a good name for a band if ever I heard one, through to the Doctor's motley crew of helpers, including Dorium, uh, Strax, the uh, Sontaran nurse, and Vastra and Jenny, uh, the Victorian detective double act. It's also a welcome wake-up call to the Doctor that storming around the universe chasing off armies and playing God might not be the best idea. And also the reveal of River Song as Amy and Rory's daughter uh, genuinely brings a tear to the eye, at least to me and my wife. (laughs) On the downside side. The cameos from Silurians, Pirates and Spitfires strained credulity and logic somewhat. It also failed to live up to the hype of being the Doctor's highest moment and darkest hour, especially the latter. He's tricked by Madame Coverian, which is annoying, but hardly his worst moment ever. Just not clocking that uh, Baby Melody was also a flesh duplicate. It would have been much more satisfying for him to make a moral mistake, to lose the baby because he was goaded into cruelty. He almost gets there with the Colonel Runaway moment, but although he goes up to the line, he doesn't quite cross it. Returning after the series break, we apparently have a complete change of direction in Let's Kill Hitler. It's bold and funny, and much closer to the traditional light-hearted season openers in tone, things like Partners in Crime, uh, and so on. But with the regeneration of Mel's into Alex Kingston, it becomes clear that this is The Genesis of River Song, Part 2. Taken as a light-hearted curtain raiser, it's a great success and I love it. But as the origin story for River Song, I can't help feeling it could have been a lot more. What if River Song's journey from villain to hero had been played out over a longer span? It could have been really exciting and interesting, not knowing from story to story if River was going to be on the Doctor's side or opposed to him, depending on where in her timeline he encountered her. We also don't get much of a sense of why River believes she needs to kill the Doctor. That she's programmed to do so makes sense in terms of plot, but is much less interesting dramatically than if she had actually believed that she was doing the right thing, that killing the Doctor was the moral equivalent of killing Hitler. 
Her change of heart would have had much more punch if we understood her motives, but saw the lies and half-truths that she had been fed by the silence, stripped away by actually encountering the Doctor. Instead, we got a comedy turn of Riversong turning evil, which was great fun and brilliantly played by Alex Kingston, but probably undermined River as a character. Mark Gattis's Night Terrors uh, was a pleasingly creepy tale of a strange child and giant dolls that returns once again to the theme of parental relationships that runs throughout this series. From Captain Avery's reconciliation with his son, through to the pivotal video call uh, in The Rebel Flash to the cute little boy, fathers play a pivotal role uh, in this series. The Doctor's storyline can perhaps be seen in terms of uh, showing his failures as a father figure before being reconciled to his role as guardian and protector at the end of the series. He even gets married, sort of, maybe in a parallel dimension somewhere. Given Moffat's wider preoccupation with family and fatherhood, see Jekyll, for example, perhaps making the father again uh, is the logical progression of his vision for the show. Time will tell. Perhaps we'll be seeing... uh, uh, Georgina Moffat as Jenny, or perhaps some other, uh, or perhaps the offspring of the Doctor and River at some point. Who knows? The next couple of episodes, The Girl Who Waited and The God Complex, share a lot in common. They're both darker, more character-focused episodes by the younger generation of writers, uh, Tom McRae and Toby Whithouse. Both are excellent. The Girl Who Waited gives Karen Gillan and Arthur Darville the chance to shine as companions and makes a virtue of only having the regular cast to give us basically what's Rory's choice. A sort of thematic sequel to Amy's choice last series. The God Complex throws into the mix a strong supporting cast, especially Amara Karan as Rita, who narrowly beats Christina Chong as Lorna for first place as the best companion we never got this series. The Minotaur is a pleasingly physical presence, stomping around and grazing the ceiling with its horns. The story also tackles the Doctor's methods and motives head-on, forcing him to remind Amy and the audience that he really is just a madman in a box. Following on from last year's The Lodger, Gareth Roberts's The Closing Time sees the welcome return of James Corden as Craig, but perhaps slightly overplays the comedy at the expense of the threat of the Cybermen, but leads nicely into the series finale, The Wedding of River Song. The finale is great fun, with a wonderfully sketched-in alternate reality where time has frozen, complete with pterodactyls and Roman legionaries, but to my, to my mind didn't quite have the dramatic weight to really pay off everything set up beforehand. If you kill off the Doctor in episode 1, you'd better have a pretty dramatic and interesting way to get him out of it in episode 13. Having him pilot the Tesselector, basically a robot double of himself, didn't quite work for me. It just wasn't dramatically demanding enough. Uh, the Doctor didn't have to work for it, 
through it. Uh, partly that's because of the way it's told. We get the surprise reveal of the uh, little doctor in um, uh, his eye when uh, River kissed him. Uh, whereas if we'd shown him struggling, we'd been shown him struggling to operate uh, the Tesselector to uh, fill in his role in the timeline uh, with this double. Uh, and knowing that uh, the slightest deviation from uh, what went before could wreck the uh, course of history and fracture time uh, uh, once again, uh, something along those lines, then that could have uh, had some real uh, difficulty and a real sense of achievement to it. But it was just... uh, yeah, a logical solution, but not a dramatic or an interesting one. <laughs> so, Series 6 is a very strong run of individual episodes. For me, only The Curse of the Black Spot had my attention wandering, and The Doctor's Wife, The Girl Who Waited, and The God Complex stand out among some very stiff competition uh, as some of the best that Doctor Who has to offer. But although individually the episodes are great, the story arc frustrates as often as it delights. On the one hand, the Doctor's impending death allows for some great character moments for the Doctor, especially in The Girl Who Waited through to the closing time, as he considers the effect uh, that he has on those around him and comes to terms with his upcoming uh, doom. It's subtly and intelligently played, building implicitly episode by episode. At the complete other end of the spectrum are the uh, dreadfully shoehorned-in scenes of the Doctor staring at the scanner screen, just to remind us that Amy has a quantum pregnancy, or that the Doctor is due to die. As for the main meat of the story arc, the episodes written by Moffat himself, they feel what I imagine watching the Harry Potter film series without having seen the books must be like. Largely entertaining and compelling, but with many odd details that don't quite add up, with abrupt transitions and missing explanations. If Series 6 was supposed to tell us the story of River Song and her part in the silent eternal war against the Doctor, it feels we got only the edited highlights of a longer and uh, more interesting story, cut down to the point of near incomprehension. It's not that it's too complicated. At the Let's Kill Hitler uh, press launch, Moffat made the Inception defence, comparing his writing to Christopher Nolan's pleasingly intelligent blockbuster. He claimed to be crediting the audience with the intelligence to keep up with a complex story arc. That's all very well and good, but it's one thing to expect the audience to keep up, and another thing entirely to leave entire swathes of plot, character, motivation for the audience to fill in themselves uh, from the rather sketchy dots. With the silence war against the Doctor and River Song's turn from psychopath to love interest, and Amy and Rory's reaction to their baby daughter being stolen away, uh all left underdeveloped. Um, None of them are explained or as developed as well as they could be, and arguably should be. 
the story arc hasn't always given us the character development and emotional connection uh, to make its plot points uh, dramatically engaging and effective. Also, Inception does actually make sense when you pay attention, whereas Series 6 sometimes seems to fall apart under closer inspection, or at least not contain all the necessary pieces. For example, what was going on with the Lodge Tardis? What's the relationship between the silences of religion and the grey aliens that are forgotten when you look away? And if the silence are capable of imparting post-hypnotic suggestions in people's minds, why don't they just tell Amy Pond, or indeed everyone else they come across, uh, to shove the Doctor under a bus at the first opportunity? When you put the pieces we do have together, the silence whole plan to create a time lord to kill the Doctor is ridiculously over-elaborate, especially the whole spacesuit business. Admittedly, having an over-elaborate plan is hardly new for a Doctor Who monster. But if it's just the same old Doctor Who clichés uh, told out of sequence, then the story arc is hardly crediting the audience with buckets of intelligence. Of course, the second defence for Moffat's storytelling is it will make sense uh, sometime soon in the near future. Perhaps we'll get these explanations in Series 7. But you can't defer satisfaction indefinitely. We've already got dangling pot threads left over from Series 5. We don't know uh, how it was that the TARDIS came to explode. We can guess that the silence were behind it because they wanted to kill the Doctor, but we d don't have any idea of the hows or wherefores or how the cracks fit into it and so on. Uh, Although ongoing mysteries can work well, each episode and each uh, whole series has to stand on its own merits, and I felt that Moffat's uh, liking for twists and surprises have at times undermined the drama rather than enhancing it. This is why the final moments of the wedding of River Song, with Dorian blethering about the fields of Trenzalore and the ultimate question of life, the universe and everything. Oh, wait, sorry, that's Hitchhikers. Uh, I mean, uh, shouting Doctor Who, Doctor Who, that doesn't excite me. Like the Doctor's apparent death, I can't see any way of answering or not answering uh, that question that won't be a disappointment. I've no problems with arcs or complexity in principle, I just don't think this particular series arc has been fully successful. I'm still very much looking forward to the next series, though, because weaknesses of the arc aside, I loved most of the individual episodes. On a week-by-week -week basis, Stephen Moffat and team are doing a great job. When it comes to the DVD release itself, the Knight and the Doctor mini-episodes just go to show that when Moffat shows uh, that when Moffat slows down enough to dwell on the characters and situation for more than a few milliseconds, his writing is utterly captivating. I just wish he had more of these quieter moments in the actual TV series. Because of an arc that doesn't entirely add up, that doesn't entirely satisfy, although it does have many strong moments, Series 6 as a whole is less than the sum of its parts. The parts do still add up to something pretty special. You've been listening to The Impossible Podcast. 
for more Doctor Who commentaries, plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website, impossiblepodcasts.blogspot.com, or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.